The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rockio Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. This is Amanda LaPlante. You're listening to Get Real to Heal on KWRH 92.9 FM. And I am excited to have with me today Michael Patrick Burke, a phenomenal author and speaker with an amazing health journey that he's been on. And now he's turned his sights towards coaching. I cannot wait for this conversation. Welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here today. And let's let's start at the the beginning for you. Um, your health journey is, to say remarkable, would be a vast understatement. Um, where did it all begin? Uh, at birth. <laughs> uh, I was born with a genetic chronic medical condition. And um, when I was diagnosed at one year old, I was essentially, my parents were told I would not live through childhood. Matter of fact, I might be lucky to survive kindergarten. So at that diagnosis at 14 months old, that's where the journey began. And the diagnosis was cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic lung disease and digestive uh, system ailment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, in cystic fibrosis, you know, I have to say I've, I've known uh, people who have lost loved ones at very early ages from, from this disease. Um, you've, managed, you've managed to clearly make it. And yeah. what were the, first off, how, how does one navigate youth um, with such a diagnosis hanging over you? Well, my parents obviously helped me navigate that. And so I was a really sick infant in the hospital a number of times with pneumonia and losing weight. As soon as they diagnosed me and got me on the right medicine, my health life changed drastically. I gained weight, my cough. So cystic fibrosis creates a cough, a lifelong cough. Uh, it reduced. So I was able to play soccer and baseball and play in the creek and drink from hoses, you know, all the normal things. But I just took a lot, a lot of medicine, about 8,000 pills a year. And nightly, my mom and dad would have to do this uh, postural drainage, which is basically something on my chest, back, and sides. But they made it seem so normal. I didn't know how different I was, and my friends simply never asked growing up. So it was uh, my folks just making things normal, not making a big deal out of it. Of course, they made a big deal out of the treatments and uh, medicine, and I went to the uh, into the doctor four times a year no matter what. So life was different. I just didn't think about it, um, mostly because my friends never asked. And their parents treated me as one of their own. Spent the night at houses and went on family vacations with some of them. It was never an issue. So not, not giving me the sense of being excluded, I think, is what led to a very happy childhood. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction to make. And, and uh, so one thing, and, and this is kind of going off on a tangent a little bit here, but I have to ask, you know, having so many um, diseases and different things that I've navigated, it really became part of my story and who I was. And that can be good, and that can be challenging. And 
how, how clearly this is something that you've been able to find so much meaning in it and so many ways that you can take what you've been through and really you know make it something that others can also learn from and relate to with their story no matter who they are um, you know at what point did that that turning point happen to where you you kind of um, or was there a turning point you know where you own this as a positive and saying you know this is really something that makes me unique makes me different makes me uh, you know has challenged me in ways that I can really you know, step out and help others and inspire others with what I've been through. Yeah, you know, it comes to different apexes, if you will. And uh, the the most significant one was uh, I was had just been promoted to a director of sales for a big hotel company, and they were moving me from Richmond, Virginia, to Detroit. And right at that moment, uh, I was turning thirty and was asked to give a speech to a CF group. And I really hadn't paid attention to the disease and research and life expectancy. And um, what I found out in my research, I, I, the life expectancy was 28 years old, and I had just turned 30. And I'd been chasing that life expectancy my whole life. I was just, just younger than it growing up. And then all of a sudden, I'm older than it. And I realized all the, the scary stuff I had believed about my life with the disease wasn't true unless I had made it true, right? Fears about being valuable to society and having love in my life and, and those, and, uh, quite frankly, dying young. Uh, none of it happened. And I took that moment and thought, well, no, I'm not going to live like that again. So I started taking control of my inner life, you know, my emotions, my mental processes, and I took on cystic fibrosis head on for the first time in my life. Like, yep, I got this thing. It's not going away. I'm tired of trying to avoid it, and it run my life, run my decisions. I'm taking it back. So uh, funny how that was the time that I became health, the healthiest in my life at 30 with a progressive disease. And the time I started reaching out to others to support them. Oh, Michael Burke, you inspire me. I love it. Yeah, all of that resonates so much. Okay, so so you've got the lung disease, the digestive issues that come along with it. Um, cystic fibrosis, you know, it's it's uh, to be a it's a beast would be a really under an understatement. Um, yeah, you run, and not only do you run, you run marathons. That's right. Do tell. Growing up, there were very few therapies for CF, very little medical intervention, particularly for the lungs. And so they told my parents, keep that boy active. If he can play soccer, let him play soccer. If he can play in the creek with his brothers, just move air in and out of the lungs, and that will, that will make him cough and get the stuff out of his lungs. So real primitive, right? Uh, but keep him active. And so I was an active boy. I turned into an active college student. And uh, in my 20s, I let that kind of go because I was all about career and right and moving around the country. And well, with with the onset of that sickness, um, some of the effects of it, I, I was like, well, if they want me to run, I guess I'll try and figure out a way to run. And it was boring, right? Running three miles a day, three days a week. Oh, God, it was torture. But I could feel the differences. Like I was coughing more and clearing out my lungs. So I thought, how do I make it interesting? And Amanda, I like to go big in life. So when I lived in Colorado, there are plenty 8,000-foot mountains you could climb, but I had to climb the highest, the 14ers. You know, I, uh, when I was riding bicycles in college, I just, could, just didn't want to ride a couple miles. I was riding 50 miles a day, doing the rides across Missouri. So I like, I like to go big. 
So I was thinking, I could run 5K, 10K. I could even run a half marathon. That sounds pretty challenging. But it wasn't as far as I thought I could possibly go. So I got my brain stuck on marathon. And um, I, I, I knew a couple friends who was in Colorado that were marathoners, and they made it sound glorious. <laughs> so I looked into it. I thought I could do it, and I started tacking on more and more miles uh, in the end. In an 11-year period, I ran nine full marathons, 20 half marathons, and coached other marathoners through Fleet Feet Sports. That is just, that's mind-boggling. That is absolutely mind-boggling. Okay, I have to ask you, you know, as somebody who often, uh, in my health coaching uh, profession, you know, I work with a lot of amazing, wonderful, inspiring doctors who are constantly working to give patients hope. You know, they're, they're, they're never saying, okay, there's, there's nothing else we can do. They're always looking for something else we can do because there's always something yeah. else we can do, right? Um, yeah. So I have to ask you, you know, you're at a point where, like you said, all of those things that you were told about your disease, they, they haven't come true, you know, and you've pushed yourself and constantly just redefined what's possible, um, you know, which is pretty different than what doctors told you was possible. You know, what would you say to doctors who are dealing with chronic patients? Um, what, what advice would you give them in the words that they could use to help reframe disease for patients that are living with these diagnoses that are, those diagnoses that are so heavy? My childhood doctor told my parents, let that boy do what his brothers do. Because my parents were scared, right? He's going to get sick. He's going to get germs. Boys, other boys carry germs. Dirt has germs. And Dr. Regent just kept saying, let him be a boy. Let him be a little boy. So that's the first thing. Um, let them live a full life. And then second, you know, this uh, doctors have to give us real information, right? They can't just say, oh, you got CSA, no big deal. It's a serious condition. So is diabetes and can't all of it. Um, but what I found in positive psychology is that the, uh, we have to be much more positive than we are negative. So if, if the, the uh, diagnosis is a shortened life expectancy and there are things to be concerned about, you can tell people what they need to be concerned about, but you can stack on positive things. And there are different numbers, 3 to 1, the Lasado ratio, 5 to 1, 9 to 1. The, the message essentially is stack on more positive than negative because our natural tendency is to focus on negative. So how about we give people something to focus on that's positive? And I call that a positive pursuit. My father gave that to me when I told him I wasn't going to college because I thought I was going to die. <laughs> He's like, bullshit, you're going. <laughs> so uh, he gave me something to look forward to when I didn't have, when I couldn't think of something to look forward to. And then, you know, then the career thing I had, that was a positive pursuit. And then the running was something I wanted to do, right? Not something I had to do, but something I wanted really bad. And so then the medicine just fell in line with that. I ate better. I took the medicine because I wanted to run. So give the, the doc should, should think about giving the patient something to look forward to, something to pursue that's positive. And that is a wonderful segue into coaching. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I see that time and time again. Um, the more that I can have the opportunity after someone's met with doc and they've taken this information in and they're like, uh, 
you know, these changes, these things that they need to do and sitting down with them and really helping them to get clear on their why and so many other factors to help them get motivated, get clear and realize the inner strength that they have and find those positive pursuits is when the magic happens. And I love that you have turned your sights on coaching because frankly, you're one of the most inspiring people that I've, I've ever met. So I think this is amazing. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, all right. So let's, let's talk a little bit. I want to talk about your, your book and your speaking career. I want to, I want to do that. I'm going to pull us back to that um, after we have a little conversation about coaching, because you are a person who really understands and has a passion for this profession of coaching. Um, So let's talk a little bit about, we'll start with the difference between coaching and therapy. This is one I struggled with because so many folks I, I saw doing a coaching thing, oh, it looked like they were getting into dangerous ground in the therapy, and they, I didn't think they were qualified, and they, they weren't technically. So I really wanted to know the difference. And I had some, uh, a mentor who doesn't know. He's my mentor. Uh, he's a world-famous author, coach, psychiatrist. And he made it clear for me that therapy relieves suffering, right? It's some sort of diagnosis the therapist can relieve that suffering. Uh, But then he said there's a gap between relieving suffering and the good life. And he thinks there's somewhere around a 30% gap. Hmm. And, And that's where coaching comes in. Once the person is whole and healthy and creative and complete, then they can work on the good life, which is coaching. And sometimes uh, my clients have been in active therapy and they wanted, you know, to start moving. They were healthy enough to get to that good life. So it can be stand on its own if they're ready or it can work in conjunction. But it's an important distinction because my coaching is informed by positive psychology, but the intervention or the tool, if you will, that I would use isn't used to uh, uh, make someone uh, relieve their suffering. Is to get to the good life. Absolutely. And there's an important distinction there in that. I think, that's, I think that's very, very well said. That's one of the better explanations that I have heard. Um, and I think it is an extraordinarily important, um, important distinction. I, what I love about integrative medicine, which is the field that I'm a part of, is that we really do integrate all of these different professions and perspectives to give the best possible outcome to the client or patient. And therapy, is, it's, it's, it's been massively important in my own health journey, as has coaching. Um, so I, lo- I love that distinction. You also talk about, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about coaching versus consulting, because that's an important distinction as well. Yeah. So think about consulting. Hi, I'm Mike Burke. I'm a consultant. This is the Mike Burke way to live life. And then you buy the Mike Burke way, and you plug yourself into that way, right? So I might have things that are very important to me. You see them as value, so you plug into that. Coaching... Uh, we plug into your way to live life because Mike Burke has his way, but it might not be your way, right? Certainly I I have had a productive and successful life, but it might not speak to you. You might have a different life you want to plug into and that is your own. So uh, consulting would tack on a skill to your own being, if you will. But if you don't know who you are, that skill has nothing to attach to. So it's, you might spend a whole weekend in a seminar about communication, which is a consulting thing, but what's it going to stick to, right? If, the, if you don't know 
Does that make sense? It does. It does. No, I like that. So, Again, well put. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's not, it's really about, it, okay, and in health coaching, it's about, you know, helping people to activate their own inner health detective is what I call it, um, their own inner wisdom, their inner genius, because, you know, yeah, Amanda LaPlante has been through a lot of things, and she's figured a lot of stuff out, and yeah, I'm happy to share the information in, in, in a way of educating when I have my educator hat on, but my coaching hat is entirely different. It's about helping people to realize that they probably have the answers to what they need to know right inside yeah. of here already, and we just have to ask big, powerful questions to help them bring that out. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, active listening and just being present. Um, that is healing in and of itself, especially in, in today's world where everybody is um, constantly on edge and not really in the moment and not really relating to one another. Um, just having an hour you know, or any amount of time to sit down with somebody who's actually present with you, sitting there in a, you know, cold, holding you in, in unconditional positive regard, meeting you where you are because there's nothing wrong with where you are, it's just where you are, and then helping you to figure out what that next step is. My gosh, what a gift, you know? It's the, the greatest gift when a client says to me, I'm so glad you didn't tell me the answer because I knew you knew it. <laughs> uh, thanks for yes. helping, letting me discover my answer. Yes. Uh, that is, I never understood that before I, I really understood insight coaching. And uh, so it's really my objective not to let people um, wonder and in, in doubt and unknowing. So I'll never let them flounder. Uh, so that's why I continue to improve the coaching experience so they can get that insight quicker. Because uh, without the insight, you can't change. I love that. And I'm so glad you touched on it because yes, uh, insight and awareness coaching, you know, we were just talking about that before we came on. And, and yeah, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, there's a really neat book uh, for self-changers. A, a, a couple doctors studied self-changers, people that didn't use therapy or intervention of any sort. And um, something these folks did first was to think about the change they wanted. So they had the insight, my own story. Why do I want to take medicine? I know I should, but what, what would make me want to? And that was that whole positive pursuit. Uh, so the insight is, well, I want to take that medicine, and this is the reason. And then, I, have, I mean, I take 13,000 pills a year, and for the past 20 years, I've taken, I could probably count on two hands the amount of times I've missed full dose, which is insane. Wow. And I never thought before that happened that would ever happen, because I was a terrible medicine taker, you know, in my youth. Um, so to go from highly uncompliant, which is a terrible word, but everyone understands it, to uh, super engaged was because I, I had the insight, and I only wish that I would have found it sooner, so I could have just had a little more happiness sooner, a little more peace of mind, and, and not have lost a chunk of my health, because I am affected by the disease. I only operate on about 75% of my lungs. You know, I, I suffered. Uh, but as soon as I had the insight and the ability to change, because I had the insight, my, my world did change radically. And, and I want to point out there, um, yes, with your disease, that is a mindset shift. Yeah, tr just getting your head around the fact that you have to take this many pills a year so that you're replenishing electrolytes and you're keeping that lung function up. You're doing the things that you need to do in order for your body to function with this particular disease. 
on the flip side of that, I want to talk about a little bit about my story very, very briefly in that I was taking, I don't even know how many pills a day. I had 18 active prescriptions at one point in time, which is quite a lot. Um, and, you know, thinking back on that, I had that insight where there was a moment where I went, I'm taking these pills. I don't want to take these pills anymore because I don't know if I need to. I feel like there's something else. For, for me, there were some root causes with diet and stress management and things like that that I was able to unravel to where now I've gotten it down to, you know, I one, maybe two occasionally, and, and God, what a blessing. My point in that is everyone's journey is different. Everyone's health journey, everyone's life journey, getting in touch and getting real about what you really need to do for your health. If you need to take that medicine, take that medicine. It'll save your life. If you're on a bunch of medications and your gut is telling you, I don't know that I need to be on these, I think there's something wrong, like that I can do differently and these medications are just masking it, listen to that. And I think that's really important to mention. I think it's a huge distinction, Amanda. Uh, so just so the audience knows, I take about 10,000 of those pills for simply to digest food. My digestive system doesn't work. So I have to replace enzymes or I literally starve to death. And there's nothing that I can do to change that. Um, however... Uh, the cystic fibrosis has caused diabetes in my system because, well, the nature of the disease has destroyed my pancreas. So while that is out of my control, there are a great many things I can do to increase the effectiveness of the insulin that I take through the pump and reduce the amount of insulin I have to take. So, yeah, there, there is function that I have to replace and then along your lines, there is things I can do to reduce the medicine that I take and make it more effective. And, and you have such an understanding of how your body works and what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I think that is amazingly important to point out as well, um, you know, and that we have to really be our own advocate on our mindset, on our health, in our, in our interactions with our medical providers, um, in everything that we do. We have to con constantly be aware and getting real about each of our unique situations and what we really need in order to function well for us. Um, thank you for sharing that. I just really appreciate it. And I, I think it probably hits home for a lot of people. Um, all right. So I want to come back to, you know, your coaching and you have something you call it a psychographic. And I love the way that you explained this. So who is it that you serve and how do you encapsulate this when you explain it? So everybody wants to know when I'm meeting new folks, do you serve CPAs or lawyers or athletes? And I say I serve them all if they well, I work best with a certain kind of athlete, CPA, attorney, whoever that is. And these folks that I work with are ambitious. And not blind ambition, but ambitious. They want things out of life. They think there's more to life. So they're ambitious. Uh, they're great leaders in that while they're pursuing their ambition, whatever that is, they want others to do well at the same time. So they elevate others. And then the final part of that, it's kind of like a three-legged stool, is they don't want to miss out on the very best things in life for that sole ambition. Say, usually it's, hey, I want to make lots of money or have a, a successful career. They don't want to give up their family, their health, the good life in order to have the money. So it's this three-legged stool. They want more. They see that more is possible. They want to elevate others and have a good life. And when I meet those people, um, one, we have a lot in common, so I understand their world, at least how they think, 
at a base level. And uh, the kind of coaching I do is they're willing to do tough work. They're willing to kind of uh, lift some heavy weight to get to that life of having it all, if you will, success, health, and happiness. So that's the psychographic. And I met them through running. Uh, having run, been in that community for 11 years and coaching other runners, like serious runners, marathoners, I noticed that these folks were all pretty dang successful. Uh, if they were a doctor, they were the chief medical officer. If they were an accountant, they were doing high-level stuff. If they were a warehouse worker, they were the manager. If they were a nurse, that, like they were, they were good at what they did. I thought, wow, these people, is this real or is this something I'm – Imagining because I'm one of them, right? I, I'm one of these special people. Well, I think well, I, I learned. Oh, I learned that um, marathoners actually make more money than the rest of the population. They're more highly educated. They're happier. They're healthier. There's an expression: "How you do one thing is how you do everything." Yeah. And and what I see um, in that particular sport is people really willing to commit and really do the hard work. And that hard work is not just physical; it's mental. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that does not surprise me at all that you were seeing that trend, and and I love it. We're down to about two minutes. Um, I, I want to talk about, just real, you know, kind of sum it up for us, the inspiration for Live Bold and what it means. So the inspiration, I, I wrote a book. It's called Waiting to Die, Running to Live. It's about living with a chronic illness. Uh, at the On the very last page, I, I gave an ode to the people in my life. And I described them. They were positive. They were action-oriented, purposeful. They were contributors, and they had urgency of life. And they were my heroes, and that's how I tell them they're heroes. Uh, but really, they were bold. They, they wouldn't accept limitations, and they worked to help others. So that's what live bold means, is not to possess these things, but to be them. And uh, it actually comes from a little quote from the book of James. He talked about not possessing endurance, but to have endurance for life. Be it. So live bold. Don't possess boldness. And through that boldness, people don't get stuck. I help people get unstuck. So there might be something in their personal life, something in their professional life, something inside them that has them feeling stuck. And I help them move confidently forward. I love that. And I know you do it well. How can people reach out to you and find you and follow you online as they should? <laughs> yeah, a couple of quick steps. I'm at Michael P. Burke on Facebook. Uh, sorry, I, you know, the, the middle name had to be. There's a million famous Michael Burks. So Facebook, um, my website is michaelpatrickburke.com. Uh, honestly, if they want to call, call at 314-283-5985. Coaching is so personal that I think a personal outreach is good. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Michael Burke. This has been Amanda LaPlante. You've been listening to Get Real to Heal on 92.9 FM. Reach out to me at amandalaplante.com or 314-583-6749. You can also find me at Catalyst Pain Management in Chesterfield or with Michael Twyman at Apollo Cardiology in Clayton. Have a great day.